Amen. How awesome it is to see you today. And today would usually be our Welcome Back Sunday. And in many ways, it still is our welcome back because there are a few folks who are joining us for the first time, especially as the university is kicking off here in Ruston. And there are a lot of you that are coming back that you have been with us in years past. So it's great to see you all this morning. I want to encourage you this morning with a word from the Lord himself. Deuteronomy chapter 34. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 34. We're going to begin reading verse 1 in a moment. But you know, over the last few weeks, even when some of you all have been out on break, I've been continuing a sermon series in the life and leadership of Moses. And I don't know if it ever happens to you, but there are times when like, I get engrossed in something, like I become immersed in a story or maybe a life, and it just becomes part of me. Like I can sense it. I can feel it myself. I remember when I was in college, as a matter of fact, I was going through English Lit and I believe it was Old Testament at the same time. So it's like during the summer, I would take English Lit in the morning. In the afternoon, I'd have Old Testament. I walked into my Old Testament class that day, one particular day. And my professor asked if we had any prayer concerns. Because it is a Bible class, and we often would pray before we got started. And I said, yes, I, I need to pray. And he said, Reggie, who would you have us to pray for? And I simply said... I need you to pray for Ann. I just need you to pray for Ann. He said, we will do that. We'll pray for Ann. And we prayed. Later on, as the class developed, I realized what I had done. Nobody else had, but I had. That is, I had actually asked for prayer for the primary character in one of my English lit stories that I was reading. Is that not embarrassing? Like, I'd been reading this English lit story, and it had become so real in my life, and I had slept so little because of my college studies, that all of a sudden, Anne was a real person. And I was praying for Anne, and I was asking other people to pray for Anne. I am so proud that nobody else in that Bible class was taking English lit with me that morning, or they probably would have figured it out, too. You know, it's like, I don't know if that ever happens. Is that embarrassing? Some of you didn't laugh, so you may just be embarrassed for me at this point. Then I was just kind of living that story. I was like, it was so real to me. And as I've been looking through the life of Moses, it's like I've been there with him. It literally is like I have been there in his pain and his hurt, and I've been there in the great victories that he's seen. I can sense it. Like when you read through it, it becomes so real to you. I hope it does at least. It's been real for me. So here I come today to close up this sermon series and to pivot to a new series next week. And I want to close by looking obviously at the end of Moses' life, the last few moments, and even what even what will be said about Moses as the Lord calls him home. So look in Deuteronomy chapter 34. It's the last chapter that gives us the last moments of Moses' life. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, 
I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. So you come to the final chapter and it gives us the final moments of Moses' life and you hear some commentary about Moses and you hear what others think of him. You see the difference that he made. When I come to that, and I've been living this story, like I said, for the last few months as I've been reading through it and preaching through it, I was, I was thinking to myself, God, couldn't you give him a little longer? Like, God, if you'd just given him a couple more chapters, I'd like to have had a sermon series a little bit longer. Could you, could you give him a little more? God, he's still 120, I know that, but he's, he's in good shape and he could do so much more for the kingdom. And yet, God had used him for that moment and that place and that time. God had used him to make a difference. And I want you to hear that today. I want you to hear this, that one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference for the kingdom. Well, it's unmistakable to see the difference that Moses made. Unmistakable. I mean, here you see where it talks about all the mighty deeds, where it talks about all the things that he was able to accomplish. Don't forget that this is the same one that, that goes to Egypt and he secures the release of the people of Israel. This is the guy who will raise his staff and the Red Sea waters will part. Think of that just a moment. You want to talk about some great things that were accomplished for the kingdom? Could you imagine seeing this great body of water open up and you walk across on dry land? This is a guy who made a difference. This is a guy who could lead the people into the wilderness, and when they needed water, he could, through the power of God, he could strike a rock, and it would open, and he would give the water that was needed. Moses made a difference. He did some unbelievable things. And notice the Bible says also that the children of Israel mourned him for 30 days. Like when he went down, they mourned him because it impacted them. It impacted all the nation. You've seen this before. There are people in your life, when, when they're gone, you, you mourn them. As a matter of fact, sometimes you appreciate them more. You are able to get more of a panoramic view of the contributions they made to your life and maybe even to your community and beyond. But Moses, when he dies, 30 days they mourn. I think that wasn't quite long enough. I think they should have at least mourned him for 40 days. Why? Because he lived with their 
gripes and complaints for 40 years in the wilderness. I mean, can you imagine? These are the same people, same people that complained about him, that had rebelled, and now they're crying over his death because now, after it's over with, they can truly see the impact he has made upon their lives. And again, sometimes it takes a little bit of us pulling back a little and seeing what happened and how people have contributed to our lives. I had a pastor friend call me some years ago, and he said, uh, Reggie, he said, how do you do this? He said, I don't know if I can stay at this church, because, man, they always talk about the last pastor and how good he was and how awesome he was and all this kind of stuff. And I told him, I said, look, man, let me tell you, the last pastor is never as good as they said he was, and the present pastor is never as bad as they think he is. I promise you, it's kind of all in relationship. You kind of look back at things. He said, yeah, but I just don't know. I said, listen, brother. I said, if you love the people and if you teach the word and if you do what you're supposed to do, they'll love you one day because just as they speak well of those, they will speak well of you because that means they love those pastors and one day when you're gone, they'll love you too. They'll be able to put it all together. That's the people here. Because the people have been impacted by Moses. And for 30 days, they mourn him. They miss him. He had made a difference in their lives. Now, some of you, you've read Scripture, and again, you're very attuned to what the Word says. But some of you would probably say, well, yeah, he made a difference. He was Moses. Moses is always going to make a difference. I mean, he's Moses. I mean, he is the one that had the rod. You give me one of those rods, and I'm telling you, I could do some things too. I could break a home run record, or I probably could walk in and bring healing to a hospital ward. You give me one of those, I could do it too. I mean, look at Moses, what he had. Well, if you've studied any of the life of Moses, you would know that he's anything but perfect. I would even suggest to you that when you read through all of Moses' life, it is very raw. It gives it to you and shows you how truly human Moses was. He was flesh and blood just like us. See, I like this about God's Word. It lends the credibility of God's Word to me because God's Word does not, it does not hide the difficulties and the weaknesses and the challenges of its characters. If you read through it, you, you'll see. For example, Moses. When you look at the book of Exodus, which I think he wrote the book of Exodus, he records the killing of an Egyptian there, right? He was going to lead the people, and he killed an Egyptian. Now, see, if I were writing my autobiography, I would polish it up just a little bit. I'm not sure I would include certain things like that. Now, I know some of you spiritual prudes who are out there, you will look at me and say, but Brother Reggie, you know that he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so he had to include that. Yes, I agree that God's Spirit was leading him, but I'm saying to you, I think I would have rebelled against a little bit and said, God, do I really have to put that in there? Could I, could I make myself look just a little better? Oh, the book of Numbers. Moses goes up to this rock. And God says that he should speak to the rock and the water will come forth. But instead, he will hit the rock because he is angry. I think I'd have liked to have left that moment out of my life story. 
But he couldn't. Because here he is looking at the promised land. And the consequences of his life, they're still there. They're still failures. There's still problems. There's still difficulties. But hear me when I say this. God used Moses in all of his humanness, in all of his weakness, in all of his difficulty. God used him. I give you that this morning to say this. Some of you don't feel worthy of serving Christ. You don't feel worthy to work in the church. You don't feel worthy to do things in ministry. I tell you that you are not worthy, neither am I. But there is one who is worthy, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who sees all of our weaknesses and failures, and he brings us in despite all of those things, and he wants to use us for his good and for his glory. If you see anything in the life of Moses, you know, he was used And he was used even though he was a flawed individual. Even though he had difficulty. See, I think personally he had anger issues. When I said that a moment ago about him hitting that rock, he hit the rock. He didn't listen to God. Why? Because he was angry at the people. The people were complaining. They complained and complained and complained. He got angry. I think I see in his life as he was in Pharaoh's court, there's at least one instance where he leaves. Pharaoh's like, if you come back, I'm going to kill you. Moses walks out and says, dude, if that's what you want, that's what you get. And I mean, he walks out. I believe that there are some anger issues. I almost preached a sermon just on the anger issues of Moses. Because he had flaws. See, I struggle with that. That may surprise you, but I struggle with some of these same attitudes as Moses. I think that's the reason our hearts resonate a little bit. is because I can get angry over certain things. I can get aggravated. I can miss... I can miss what God is trying to do in my life. Any of you, no, nobody here gets saying, nobody kind of loses, nobody. Yeah, I see. Most of you are very self-righteous people. That's awesome. That's cool. It's a weakness too. But, uh, you know, it's, at least you got your self-righteousness. You know, we mess up, but God uses us. One person, listen, one person can make a difference. Moses was one person, and here we are in Ruston, Louisiana, still talking about a guy named Moses. But when God gets a hold of you and God uses you, even in your weakness, he can, he can impact people you never would believe. God used him, even in his weaknesses. And God wants to use us as well. Hey, how many people in your life have contributed to the kingdom, just in your life, that you know of, that have invested? Why are you here today? Is it because somebody at some place, even though you knew they were truly human, they still invested in you and they contributed to the kingdom? I believe so. I hope so. Now, what are the keys? What are the keys? God can use one person to make a difference. That's, I think, the truth. He can use you no matter what your weakness is. But really, what is it? What what made a difference in Moses' life so he can make a difference in other people's lives? One, I would suggest to you that he demonstrated sensitivity before the Lord, toward the Lord. Sensitivity toward the Lord. What do you mean by that, Reggie? Well, when you look at these passages... You will see where Joshua, I think, will write and talk about there's no prophet that's like Moses even to this day. 
And what he'll say is that he knew God face to face. He knew God face to face. He was able to communicate with God. He had a sensitivity. He had a spiritual life. He was connected to God. And if you're going to make a difference, you've got to have a sensitivity toward the Lord as well. You've got to dwell with Him. You've got to meet with Him face to face. Get this. We're on the New Testament side of things. Old Testament... There was no other Moses. There was no other that could like go before the presence of God like this. But New Testament side, you and, all, you and I can all go right into the presence of God. Anytime we want. Speak to Him. Communicate with Him. Are there some people in life you just like talk to sometimes? Like there's some people you wish you just had access to. It could be like an actor or actress or it could. Hey, I saw just in the last week or so where Lou Brock died. Now, most of you don't know him. I didn't watch him play either, even though you think I'm old. I didn't know him either. But he was a great Cardinals baseball player. I followed the Cardinals because they are the best major league baseball team. Yes, yes. And Lou Brock played for them. It was awesome. I would have loved to like been able to meet Lou Brock and talk to him about like hitting and playing. I mean, that would have been cool. Would have been cool. Just talk to Lou Brock. Any of the old Cardinals. I mean, by the way, you know they have the most World Series in the National League ever, right? You do know that, don't you? Somebody, I hope, somebody say amen. Please know that. Please know that. But I'd like to talk to some of those old Cardinals. I'd love to do that. There are times I'd like to speak to government officials as well. I'd like access to them, like just talk to them. Don't know what I'd say. A lot of times I'd say, you're doing great. A lot of times I'd say, well, you're doing what? I'd like access to them. I'd like talk to them. You, you've got people like that. Do you realize that you could talk to the ruler of the universe at any time in any moment in your life? How do I know that? Because the Bible says that that temple veil was torn. It was ripped apart at the cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, the temple veil was rent in two so that you and I, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through what he has accomplished on our behalf, we could walk right into the presence of the Holy of Holies and we can have a conversation with God. You don't have to come to Brother Reggie to somehow get to God. You don't have to talk to Dr. Reggie in his office in order to hear from God. You, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can go right to him. Moses went right to him, face to face. And you and I, if we're going to make a difference for the kingdom, we got to go to him face to face. It's like when I preach. I don't go, I, I do study, some of you may not believe that, but I study, I read commentaries, I do all that kind of stuff because God does not reward laziness. But at the same time, when I come to preach or speak to you, it is not something that I've printed off the internet that I can somehow deliver to you or I deliver it in my own strength. There has to be a moment where I've gathered with God and say, God, is this really what you want us to hear today? God, would you speak to us today? And before you go into your classroom, before you go into your office, before you go into your family life, there should be a time where you have come before God. Because if you're going to make a difference, it's got to start with Him. 
It's got to start with him. There was a sensitivity, but there's also a servanthood. Hey, this caught my eye as I was reading through the passage. It says in verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord. There's so many things you can say about Moses. And yes, they talk about his mighty deeds and all of that. But just that one phrase, servant of the Lord. Servant of the Lord. How simple is that? It means that he not only met with God, but he was dedicated to do what God had asked him to do. God, you king. I will serve you. I will follow you. I'll do what you ask me to do. I am your servant. Now, it took, it took Moses a while to get there. It took Moses a while to get there. I'm not sure he fully understood that when he was a prince in the palace. But when God brought him over to Midian in the wilderness and he became a shepherd for his father-in-law, I think that's where God really started teaching him humility. Because God will put you in the wilderness sometimes so that you will humble yourself and you will see that you are truly just simply here to serve him and who he is. So I believe God like cut Moses down, if you will. He cut him down and he removed a lot of his prideful issues so that he could truly use him. So God may do that in your life. He may cut you down to some point, humble you so that you can see that you are to be a service to him. Hey, how about strength? How about strength? I don't know if you caught this in the passage, but it, it says there again in Deuteronomy 34 that Moses, he was 120 years old. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Hey, he climbed a mountain. That's pretty good for a 120-year-old. It says that he was in good physical shape. He had strength. That strength obviously had come from the Lord. And I know that there are people that have physical limitations. I understand that. And even as we grow older, sometimes, sometimes the age catches up. But here, God had given him an unnatural strength. As I believe that God can give us strength. Whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, God is the one who can give us some strength. We need it. Oh, Moses, I mean, here he was still climbing the mountain, still working. Still working for the Lord at 120. Still working for the Lord at 120. A few weeks ago, I went down to Zachary, Louisiana. And I see some of our Zachary students who are here. I went down there, and I helped with a graveside service. And one of the guys that assisted in that service was a guy named Wayne Barnes. Dr. Wayne Barnes was the pastor at First Zachary for like 39 years, like a few years before I got there. And I saw Dr. Barnes. He's now 86 years old, uh, and he was, again, there ministering. I got home. Leslie said, well, how did Dr. Barnes look? The same Dr. Bar Dr. Barnes has always looked. He's always looked just like that. i never seen him look any differently. Didn't look like he'd aged. I ain't seen him in eight plus years. He hadn't aged. She said, he hadn't aged. I said, no. I said, he's still going. Some of our people here in the church, they have traveled with him actually through Zachary because he had a travel agency. He'd go everywhere. 86 years old, he was going all over the world before the pandemic happened. And uh, that kind of made his schedule a little different. 
when we were down at Zachary, my wife, Leslie, she looked at me once and she said, I hope we have as much energy and strength as Dr. Barnes and Miss Joyce when we get their age. I said, Leslie, we don't have that strength now. We're not going like that now. I mean, 86, and look what he's doing, how he's going. But you know, one of the keys in this, I believe, is because like Moses, he had, he had again shown sensitivity to the Lord. He knew the Lord. He, he sought the Lord, but he, kept, he just kept going, too. He just kept going. And I see even some of our older people from time to time, they're almost like, hey, I'm ready to give up. Never, oh, no, 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 no. Now, I know most of you are younger, but take this to heart right now. Never get old before your time. Just keep going. Look at what God has given you in the moment. Like, he's given you this moment. I know we're talking about like an obituary here and stuff. But listen, God has given you this moment. Those of you who are college students, he has got you just for a season. And this season, for some of you, will end in three years, four years. Some of you will still be here six years. But this season will last only for a time, and then it's over. And you got to keep going. You got to make a difference. Moses just kept going. And he made a difference. Jim Elliott said, wherever you, are there, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Live life to the hilt in every season that you find yourself. Moses would do that. And again, I've seen people through the years who have done that. We have a staff member here. His name is Dale Odin. I want you to hopefully meet him if you have not met him. Now, he's not as old as Moses was, 120, but he's close. And you'll, you'll look at him and you'll think maybe, but then all of a sudden you'll see his heart and his energy and how he keeps going and just keeps going and keeps going. Because it's important that you keep going. Your strength comes from the Lord as you minister, as you make a difference. But also, I would show you that not only is it the strength of the Lord that makes a difference in the service that we have to Him, but also, I believe personally, that we have to make it count in our security of the Lord. Uh, I think this is especially appropriate for these days that we're living in look in verse 5 it says Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord in other words Moses was secure in the Lord Moses dying day had been ordained by God that means that Moses was not going to die beforehand and he was not going to die after this moment. He was going to die at this moment according to the word of the Lord because God was in charge. Did you hear me say that this morning? God is in charge of our days. He is in charge of our days. He holds us in the palm of his hands and he will ordain our moment when he calls us home. That is especially good for me today. Because I see so many people living in fear. Now don't get me wrong. 
I believe that we ought to take every wise and practical measure we should to try to remain healthy and to try to do what we should do. I am not some conspiracy theorist. I'm not some individual that dismisses the seriousness and the reality of things. But at the same time, I understand this, that I can do everything that I'm supposed to do. If God has ordained this moment for my death, he has ordained this moment for my death, but I am secure in him because when I die, I am before him in eternal life. Again, we should live appropriately and wisely. Wisely. I wear my mask. I do, except when I'm preaching. I try to do the things that I should do. But don't live in fear. Because here it says there is security. Moses knew if you're going to make a difference in the kingdom, it's not going to be because you are fearful. Fear will paralyze you. But the courage of the Lord Jesus will allow you to do what you are supposed to do to minister and to make a difference to people. Again, I come back to you and I ask you, who are the people who made a difference in you? In your life? In your church? I had a professor at Blue Mountain College made a difference in me. His name was Ronald Meeks. I was taking Baptist heritage in his class. At the end of it, I got to walk out, and Dr. Meeks called me over and said, Reggie, could you meet me just over here to the side outside? I want to talk to you. I said, yes, sir. I thought, what have I done already? Maybe he heard my accent. Maybe it's, you know, he needs me to change some things. I go over and say, yes, Dr. Meeks. He said, Reggie... What size of clothes do you wear? I thought, this is odd. I don't think a professor is supposed to be asking me this kind of question. He said, I, and he could see I was startled. He said, I'm talking about like a suit coat, suit pants. What, what size? And I told him my size, which was a lot smaller back then than it is now. And he said, hey, I've got some old suits. You're going to be preaching some and all, and especially back in that day, preachers wore suits and everything. He said, you're going to be doing funerals. You're going to be doing all this kind of stuff. You need a suit. You need multiple suits. So he said, I want you to come to my office. I think these suits I have might fit you. I was about your size at, at that time of life. So I went up to his office later on. I got those suits. Man, I preached in my first church. I'd walk out with one of Dr. Meek's suits on. I looked good. It was like the spirit of Dr. Meeks had come over me, and I would preach, and I would share. But you know what? He mentored me through those years. He's always followed me and been there for me. During the hurricane, he called. Reggie, are you okay? Are you all right? Because I had a professor who made a difference in my life. But you know in the church life, Mentioned somebody named Dr. Barnes a moment ago. But I, re I remember there at Zachary, I'm not going to call any names because I get in trouble. I remember there at Pine Grove, there were people in my church in Picayune. Hey, there was a guy named Hayes L. Stewart, who I named my son after, Hayes, because he impacted me. He was like the Sunday school director, the treasurer, the custodian. He was also the guy, as a 23-year-old pastor, he was the guy that he would speak into my life when I was the 23-year-old pastor. He would speak into my life and help me and encourage me. There was a guy named Grover Childs. Grover. I always wanted to name a child Grover. My wife never would let me. 
But after Mr. Grover, who is we call Grandpa, who would call me up and say, Brother Reg, you want to go get your haircut in the morning? i say, yes, Brother Grover, we'll go get a haircut in the morning. We'd go get a haircut in the morning. We'd walk out of the barbershop, and both of us look exactly the same. The way our hairs were, were slicked down. And he'd say, now we need to go visit some people. There's some shut-ins. There's some people down here that we haven't seen in a while in the church. We need to go see them. I said, all right, Mr. Grover, let's go. And I'd spend that morning with Mr. Grover going to see people. Made a difference in my life. People here in this church have made a difference through the years. I've been here, well, almost seven years. Some of our other staff, they've been here a lot longer. They've seen people, not just preachers, who've made differences. I thought to myself, as I saw that Georgia Barnett missions offering, there was an older lady that was here in our church her name was Miss Ruth Potts. Many of you never would know her. She was here when I came. And let me tell you, she was a woman that was on fire for missions and missions giving. I could almost hear her in my ear this morning saying, Are you going to emphasize the Georgia Barnett? Yes, Miss Ruth. We will talk about Georgia Barnett. Even her last days, I remember visiting her over off of Foxwood and... She was in the bed. Cancer had riddled her body. I sat by her bed. And she was there without the strength to raise up, really. And she looked over at me and she said, Reggie, there's a tidings I want you to look at over there. Tidings is our newsletter if you don't get it or so. I said, yes, ma'am. It was around Christmas. I picked that tidings up and I looked at it. She said, she said, I want you to look all at it. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm looking at it. You see anything wrong with it? I said, no, ma'am, I don't, but there's obviously got to be something. And she said, yes, the Lottie Moon. You put it on the inside where people can't even see the Lottie Moon offering. She said, don't you think it should be on the outside? I said, absolutely. I don't know who made this mistake, but when I get back to the office, I'll find out. They'll do it. She loved missions. People have made a difference. People have made a difference in your life. Let me ask you, will you make a difference in somebody else's? I do want to remind you of this, though, before you blow your ego up. God can use one person to make a difference. But God is so much greater than one person. So much more than one person. Moses is an interesting character, a wonderful character used by God. But Moses is not the hero of the book of Exodus. Moses is not the hero of the book of Numbers or Deuteronomy. God's the hero. I love reading about Peter and Paul in the New Testament. They're not heroes. God's the hero. God is the central character of all of history. And while he will use one person, he is not limited to one person because what he will do is continue his work even when that one person is gone. Where's Moses? Moses is up on the summit on the mountaintop of Mount Nebo. There it's called Pisgah, the summit itself. And he's looking out. When I read this some years ago, I thought it was exaggerated hyperbolic language. 
Because it says he could see all these different areas of Israel. And I thought, you can't do that from a mountaintop. A few years ago, thanks to Dr. Barnes that I mentioned earlier, I went up to Mount Nebo. I, I walked up and I looked out. And guess what? On that clear day, you could see the length of Israel. You could see the Judean wilderness. You could see Jericho. You could see the Dead Sea. You could see all this. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is awesome. But what Moses was looking at was the future. And God said, I'm going to give it to your descendants. Because even when Moses was going to die, God still had a plan. God was still going to work through all of these things to fulfill his purpose. Because when the man of God dies, nothing of God dies. And God has used people here before. And he has used people within our temple college. He's going to use you. And then when you walk out, I pray he will raise up somebody else. Because what happens is Moses, he will raise up a Joshua. There's always a Joshua. And Joshua will be the military leader that they need for the great conquest of the Canaan land. I've been here now seven years and I see Casey and Casey and I and other staff, we've seen college students who've stepped up to the plate. They've made a difference. Some of them have gone. Some of them, many of them still have such a place in my heart, in the heart of this church and they still communicate with us. Heard from a guy from Yellowstone Wednesday night. Heard from others this week that were back that are about to do ministry in other areas. But I know this, God has you here for this season to make a difference and to follow. And whatever age you are, to follow, to make a difference for the kingdom. Because there was a Joshua that came on afterwards. And to be honest, the most important part is there was a Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, Verses, or Acts chapter 3, I should say, verses 22 through 23. There you will find Peter preaching. And he'll use the words of Moses and he'll say, Hey, remember Moses said there was another prophet that was coming that was like him, that would be even great. And Peter would proclaim proudly that that person was Jesus. Jesus Christ came, died for us, rose again, we serve him today because we want to make a difference. Not for the name of Reggie, not for the name of Temple, not for whoever you are. We want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I hope that I've shown you this day in the passage that God will use somebody to make a difference. And I hope you see that he has placed you strategically where you are right now to make that difference in your family, in your job, even in your college. Would you commit yourself to that? Would you give yourself wholly to making a difference for the kingdom of God? Let's pray. Father, we do come to you. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us even now, that you would help us to commit, that you would help us to follow, that you would help us to be your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?